Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrity CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. Welcome to Money Making Conversation. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. Really, it's time to stop reading other people's success stories and start writing your own. I always tell people who watch the show or listen to the show to lead with your gifts. And my next guest will talk about following his passion. And don't let your age, friends, family, or coworkers stop you from planning or living your dreams. Interviews I bring to Money Making Conversations are people I, or celebrity friends that I know of, some I don't know. CEOs, entrepreneurs, and what I like to call industry decision makers. My next guest is Anthony Alabi. He's an actor, writer, and former NFL player from the Miami Dolphins and Kansas City Chiefs. That's one sport I could never play, football. I'm going to just let you know right now. I can, I, I can act like I can play basketball, but I can yeah. never play football. Anthony <laughs> co-stars in the third season of the Netflix sitcom called Family Reunion. He left the NFL in 2010 and moved to Los Angeles to pursue his true passion, which is acting. His acting credits include a lot. Recurring roles on Showtime's Shameless, one of my favorite shows, Disney's Raven's Home, CBS NCIS. ABC's Modern Family, Fox's The Mick, and the supporting role in Netflix feature film Pee-wee's Big Holiday. Just to name a few. Just throwing out some credits so you can know who I'm talking to. <laughs> you know, I was like, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Family Reunion is one of my favorite sitcoms on Netflix, and they boast. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation. I know we're going to be good friends because he's a good friend, one of, the, one of the writers on the show, a co-executive producer on the show who's now moved on, Anthony Hill. Please welcome this Anthony, Anthony Alabi. How you doing, man? It's Here. great. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, man. It's a good day. My uh, mother-in-law is here. She, you know, she got fully vaccinated and everything. She came to visit, so it's a full house. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's the beauty of it. I've gotten fully vaccinated, so it's good to yeah. promote that, especially in the African American community, oh, or yeah. the community of color, that we need to get vaccinated. And, and you know, it's really a. I don't know if you've been vaccinated, Anthony, but it really brought a relief to me. You know, because. Yeah. I'm wearing a mask uh, and I'm doing everything I'm supposed to. And I'm not stopping, even though I've been vaccinated. I still do the things with the mask and the hand sanitizer. But you got to. You got I, to. I, I just feel that now, you know, when I cough or sniffles, <laughs> it, maybe it's pollen this time. Maybe it's pollen this time and not. COVID. You see what I'm saying? Right, right. <laughs> what did, hey, what did Dion Cole say? People are still getting regular colds. <laughs> right, 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 right. And so, but not, not but with COVID, you're like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You don't know. You you better not, you better not sneeze a cough and be like, hold on. Absolutely. Hold on. So, uh, so, so you left the NFL, a sport I could never play that I totally 100% respect. Let's talk about, uh, like, so you're a Texas boy like me. I'm from yep. Houston, Texas. You're San Antonio. We know Texas football is king, brother. Religion. It's Woo! religion. So, but here's the thing: football and acting, two individual things that don't even don't even live in the same class. Because one, you know, you're in sitcoms, done drama as well, and yeah. that is kind of like a, a you know, kind of a theatrical. It's not nothing physical about it. You know, you're you're still animated in your you're an animated actor too. But but you but you know what I'm saying. It's, it's, it's not the physical contact. The I'm not waking up hitting 300 pound men every morning. So <laughs> absolutely, <yeah. laughs> absolutely. And so so but but that but that gave you an opportunity to go to college. It gave you an opportunity. And where did you go to college at? TCU. TCU. Horn Frog down up in that Dallas sure. Fort Worth area. Okay, so I, I I know exactly where you at. Okay, so so you go to the NFL, and that's that's kind of like your dream, or was it your dream still acting when you went to the NFL? 
it's it's a crazy thing because people always always talk about the transition and they and they ask you know how did you pivot and and you know what made you want to go into acting and and the truth is acting was it for me the entire time football is the thing that kind of swept me up and took over and I had to put my wanting of acting on hold so you know I, I'd like to tell the joke that when you're six six three sixty and you come out of the womb that way you play football in Texas like that's just what you do. Um, and, I'm gonna just tell you that, man. You six six. I mean, it must be a lot of tall people on that <laughs> cast, man. You don't look six six on that show. I'm sorry. I thank you. I, you know what? I appreciate that. That is the best compliment I've gotten because that's <laughs> the thing is, as an actor coming in, when you're tall like that, a lot of times you don't get cast because they're just like, I can't frame you, or we don't know how to how to do it. But luckily, I mean, like for family reunion, first of all, is first class all the way through. So our camera guys, our DPs. They know exactly how to kind of angle it and make it look to where I kind of look normal and I don't look like Gandalf with the Hobbits. Right, right, so. right. You know, you know I'm, I'm sorry, I want you to continue, but when you said 6'6", six, six, I had to take a step back and go, he's 6'6"? Six, because six? I know <laughs> yeah, what 6'6 six, yeah. six looks like. Somebody 6'6 <laughs> six, six stand next to me, I go, you 6'6". Six, six. But yeah, on that they, show, everybody, especially, look, especially look the little kids, you know, they don't look like they down by your ankles, you know what I'm saying? Right, so, right, right. So, no, well, so, I mean, they got tall, too. You know, uh, Isaiah and Cameron, both of the boys, they got really tall so well that's uh, a good thing for you okay good thing for you but continue yeah, your right, journey right. <laughs> continue your journey your transition you didn't really acting well football was just a, a god-gifted talent that you had but your blessing it was, your it was, passion it was some i was born with the physicality so it was it was a nice thing to have um and and yeah i got into it i got into football and it, and it kind of took over so i at a young age i kind of made this decision that football was going to be what took care of me and eventually i wanted it to to get to that point where i could just do whatever i wanted because I didn't have to play football anymore. And I think that's that was the most important thing. So I, I kind of made that decision at like eight years old. And mm -hmm. um, it worked out. Don't ask me to do it twice. I don't know if it can happen, but it worked out this time. But, okay, again, we talked a little bit about your size. You know, you coming in and, you, you know, you don't want to be the bouncer. You don't want to nope. be the, the heavy, the thug. And that's what people look at a black man who's 6'6", athletically mm -hmm. built. So how did you start breaking that that stereotype? So, yeah, naturally, like you said, you, you come here, you, you know, off the boat per se, you, you come here and they immediately, you're a bouncer, you're a thug, you're a heavy, you're a detective, if you're lucky, uh, a cop, you know, anything that, that's big and, and intimidating. I mean, the amount of times that I had to say, let me see your license is right. <laughs> kind of ridiculous. Uh, but I think the, the most important thing was having a team around me that saw the vision that I did. Because I came here and I said, I'm different. I hit different. I'm a big guy, but I have emotional range. I'm able to be vulnerable. I'm able to, to kind of go places that guys typically of my size don't really go emotionally right. and, and in, in acting. And so I think I, my, my reps saw that. And so we immediately started to kind of brand the other way and kind of like push into those roles that aren't normally for me. So there was a lot of rooms that I sat in where it was like me and like 15 other Jewish dudes. And they're like, you're here for the same role. And I'm like, yeah. Same role. Right. <laughs> and then eventually, you know, we get those roles and then casting directors would start to see us differently. And, it, you know, it's working out. Um, you know, we're not getting those typical kind of roles that you would see for, for a guy that looks like me. Well, you know, it's really interesting because my background, uh, you know, is sitcom writing. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I did uh, Parenthood with WB. Actually started with Steve Harvey's first sitcom on ABC, Me and the Boys, and then went over to Arsenio Hall, ABC sitcom. And then I ran into your co-star, one of your co-stars on Family Reunion, the very talented Tia Maori, you know, with her sister uh, Tamara Maori on Sister right. Sister. So how how is it working with that talented young lady, you know? 
I mean, she's uh, the thing is from day one, uh, Tia and I kind of just got each other because we're mm-hmm. both goofy. And mm-hmm. so I think we having the same kind of brand of comedy, uh, we kind of I think we had like one conversation about mm-hmm. how we want to kind of approach things. And then after that, we've never really had to talk about it. I think we just, you know, she throws the ball up, I catch it, vice versa. And we're just, our chemistry works and, and it works off camera too. I think, you know, we talk at least two to three times a week, um, constantly in contact and mm-hmm. we just get each other. And I think that's kind of what makes it easy uh, when we're on camera, because if I happen to improvise something that's just, that I think is funny, she knows me well enough and she just plays along and it, and it usually works out golden. And the same thing with her. She throws things out all the time and it just, it makes for a fun work environment. So I you look know, forward to going to work every it, day because really I have inter- a partner. It, it really is interesting. That's right there with you. you it know? really is interesting watching the show because y'all are silly. Y'all silly. <laughs> That's a compliment. Y'all silly. And uh We're and, very silly, and, yeah. <laughs> and, and and being in front of a live audience, um, and because they, they announced when you watch the Netflix sitcom that it's uh taped in front of a live audience. So those laughter that you hear are not canned, they're fake, they're real, which I love <laughs> right. about the show. But man, y'all break that fourth wall. Y'all just laugh, man. I you know, and that Loretta Divide, that fool. And I'm saying that's another She's compliment. The one. It's her fault. She, man, it, she just keeps delivering home runs, man. I, and you can she, see. You, I'll tell you, you what. You, you tell us about her. It. You tell us and about Meg, it. Those two, it's kind of insane. Because Meg, what Meg does, this is what happens: is we run the, we run the, we run the the, the scene the way it's supposed to be run, mm-hmm. right? And then here comes Meg, and and I can see her just <laughs> across the screen, and she runs to Loretta, she whispers something in her ear, and we're all just like, "What's going on?" So then she runs back. They yell, "Action!" And Loretta delivers it a completely different line that still works with our with our dialogue line, but it, it, it a completely different line that we had never heard. So it's the they want our true reactions. So half the time we're trying to laugh and we're trying or we're trying not to laugh, right. but it's funny. And right. so Meg loves those moments because they are real and they're more grounded. So I I, I enjoy them because they make me laugh, but I just I, I try not to break. But it happens. Way you too break. Often. You no, just stop <laughs> trying. You break. You break. You break. I break all the time. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> it's a divide. I can't. I, stop. I, I'm gonna tell you something. I'm finally caught up to the third season. You gotta catch it. Three seasons of, of this, and you should go back to the very first season if you're listening to this uh, yeah. interview for the first time. And the third season, uh, they do a moment with you at the kitchen table when you because you're yeah. really struggling with your manhood, your your your, your ability to. Uh, Take care of your family. I'm going right. to tell you, man, when you slid that plate off that table, man, I started laughing so hard, man. When I saw you, when you, when you slid, I, I was just going to leave it like that. I'm not going to get into more detail, Anthony. But when you slid that plate off the table, uh, I go, man, he's silly. I, I, he's silly. I, I went full Denzel on that one. I was like, I'm just going to throw this away. Just. <laughs> I loved it. I, 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 I love it. And so, so you know, because I, I want to, I you know, I also want to talk about you as well as the sitcom. And I just want to touch the sitcom a little bit. But I wanted uh-huh. to go back into your, just your your acting resume and also your writer. Because there's yes. more than you than just uh, in front of the screen. I, I, there's, uh, there's the ability to go behind the screen. So tell us who... Anthony Alabi really is with the future because you said athletically people stereotyped you okay yeah. said you were a football player an athlete and then you yeah. said no that's not me now you went to Hollywood they stereotyped you hey man get all the cop roles get the thug roles get all the get all the anything you yeah. need to fear throw fear in somebody <laughs> Anthony 
We want you. And you say, that's not me. Now you you rise in a very successful sitcom, very highly raised trends. If you've not noticed, if you follow Netflix, it does trend. I think it, it recently, trend. I think it was number six recently in the top 10. And that means that, and the way that works on Netflix is the goal is for everybody to watch every one of your episodes. And yes. that's Netflix. If, if you don't watch every episode, they're going to cancel you. I'm just sorry. That's how Netflix operates. You know? that's, that's the truth. It's the, the, that's yeah. the truth. He knows I'm telling the truth. And But the beauty of it is that you're airing in 190 countries. That allows you to send a different message about uh, African-Americans, people of color, how they betray you. Because you know, you've been in the business long enough how oh, yeah. how this industry before streaming would say, hey, this is a black sitcom. We're going to keep you over here. Nobody wants to watch you in Europe. There's nobody box in this little room that nobody knows about. Just box you in that room. And it was just terrible. And so let, let's talk about that, the, the ability to be expand your brand as a writer. I'm for sure directing's on your plate. And what you want to do besides what you're doing right now. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you touched on people always kind of just trying to pigeonhole you. I think the easiest thing that people always want to do is they want to put you in a category or in a box and say, this is what you are. So that way they know what's coming. And I'm kind of annoyingly ambitious in that way where I am constantly trying to push. And I think that comes from sports. It's the, it's this thing of never being comfortable. Um, just cause I believe that every day you either get better, or you get worse. You never stay the same. So if you're not fighting to get better, then clearly you're getting worse. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, you know, producing and writing is something that I want to do. And that's something that eventually I really, really want to get to. I, right. I think it's it's important to kind of storytell. And I think it's important to create these worlds that I want to see and, and worlds that I kind of want to live in and, and be in that probably won't get casted as or wouldn't be kind of put in. But I can put myself in those situations and write around that. And I think when I do that and still make it work to where people read and go, this is great, but this is interesting. And it's not just kind of a piece for me, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I think, I think that's the important thing. So that's why my writing partner and I, we've written a a library of shows and, and, uh, you know, are are pitching and and doing stuff now. And and I think now that the third part has come out, that's why we're kind of pushing more of the, the shows that we've written, the movies that we've written, and getting really into producing. People want me to get into directing. I'm not, I think that's a lot of work, uh, but we'll see how it goes. But I, I'm definitely going to end up uh, creating and, and um, writing and doing those things later down the road. You know, Anthony, I would tell people, stay in your lane. I, I don't want to direct. Yeah. You know, I, I'm going to tell you, I've directed some things. I've directed some commercials, but, you know, but that's more improvisational directing. You know, I'm not yeah. going to get into the whole process of uh, with the character, the arcs, and some of the <laughs> oh, the sketches yeah. you got to get. Come on now, I'm not the person to put and, in the and, room, Anthony. You know what I'm saying mm-hmm. uh, about that whole process. But the whole oh, process yeah. of of like you you've appeared in some of my favorite uh, series, like uh, Shameless. That that's not an expensive wardrobe, of Shameless. By the way, you know you no, just can it just, is not. You can just show up on just your regular. Everybody looks like everybody looks terrible. Everybody show. looks like a, a, a step above homeless. Okay. Right, right. The makeup people were just happy that they didn't have to throw dirt on me the whole time. <laughs> right, 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 right. You know, and then, uh, and then my, my good friend, uh, uh, Raven's Home, that was on Disney, uh, a classic. When you walk into a show like NCIS, where that family has been there for oh, yeah. 50, 60 years, you know what I'm saying? So, that's, yeah, and Shameless. I mean, you look at Shameless, yeah. ten years, ten, right. eleven years. And so, so, so talk about going into those uh, those particular type of productions that I mentioned, specifically uh, Shameless, as well as NCIS, and then trying to build that same momentum, that same mm-hmm. type of professional behavior, which is led by Meg Deloach, which is the right. executive producer and creator of Family uh, Reunion. Talk about that. 
Yeah. And, you know, I think it all, I, I like to stem a lot of things back to sports just because it's the first thing that I related to uh, growing up. So it's the same thing when you are, uh, you know, I was an offensive lineman. So when you're like the sixth man, right. And you have the starting five and you have that sixth guy and somebody goes down or somebody gets hurt or, you know, they're playing bad or whatever. And they pull that guy and you go in. The goal is to maintain the standard. It's to not be the weak link. It's to, you don't necessarily have to outshine anyone, but you got to make sure you keep the boat going and, and don't let it sink. And I think that's the same kind of concept when you're going into a show that has been on for a decade, a decade and a half, um, like an NCIS, like a shameless. These people, this is a well-oiled machine. Everybody knows what they're doing every day, every minute of the day. And so when you come in, it's not to disrupt that, but it's to, to kind of almost like a double Dutch thing where you're waiting for your turn, you're waiting for your turn, you pop in, you do your thing. And you pop out. And I think that's the that was the kind of the message that I told myself going into all these things. And, and it worked out that it ended up being a really good role and, and mm-hmm. shining in those in those uh, in those series. But at the same time, it's maintaining the standard that they've already set over those years. OK, with that being said, now you're in the third season of Family Reunion, which airs on Netflix. So you saw how you went in the first time. Like you said, when you saw, when you walked in Netflix, the series Family Reunion, you said, this is golden. But each yeah. year, you know, there's a comfort zone because this is the reality of Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. You know, you get a gig and that can get, that doesn't mean it's going to last. So you don't just suddenly get an acting gig and just go buy a new car or a new house. You have right. to, There's a certain un- level of uncertainty. So that first season, you didn't know if it was going to get picked up. You were just happy to get a check. I know that. I right. know. Okay. Now, the second season. Now you're in the third season. Where are you at mentally with the series? And how's the overall staff and production? What changes have come about over the last three years? Well, naturally, you're going to have, you know, uh, changes in staff, changes changes in crew. But I think the message overall is the same. And it's to tell authentic Black stories. Mm -hmm. And it's to tell stories of real families and to give everybody a voice and a point of view. And I think that's what you see in Family Reunion that you don't see in a lot of kind of other other shows that are written kind of by white people about mm-hmm. black people filtered through their view of it. Mm-hmm. I think when you have an all black writers room, there are black people writing for black people about us. Mm-hmm. And I think when you have that, you get those little corners of the culture that aren't normally there with other kinds of sitcoms. So the goal every single year is to to not shy away from any topics that come up, to not shy away from themes uh, that other people wouldn't explore like death or interpersonal relationships between a husband and wife or, you know, dads dealing with their daughters, but in a real way, not in a sitcom way, like Jade ran away. You know what I mean? Moe's has, you know, problems dealing with his friend dying or Moe's and Coco having financial issues and having to really parent their kids instead of throwing money at any kind of problem, which is what they used to do. And I think when you do that and you don't shy away from those things and you try and tell it as authentically as possible and you bring in directors that hold you to a certain standard, that keeps the show going. That's what maintains the 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 overall kind of greatness of a show, which is which is why you have shows like NCIS and Shameless that continue to go and continue to to grow because of the fact that they maintain that standard of the show. And you're right, in Hollywood you can get complacent. It's easy after season, you know, three or four to just be like, it's automatic now, we're gonna get renewed, this is how it goes. And that's not how it goes. And that's when you get blindsided with a cancellation sticker and you're worried about your rent. So. Right. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm going to just tell you how significant that the, what he's talking about when he said uh, all black writing staff for a sitcom. I'm just give you a little history about my life. My first writing sitcom was uh, Me and the Boys on ABC. The showrunner was white. It was only two black writers. It was three black writers in that room. 
okay? Mm-hmm. And then my second show, it was uh, Parenthood, Robert Townsend's show. He was an executive producer, but the two, but the showrunners, they were white. Good people. All these white people, I'm not saying nothing negative. I'm just saying, but oh. still not delivering a black point of view for a show. Because they have to ask right. questions, and sometimes they would take story arcs that was comfortable to them because they understood it, but were not comfortable to the style, and you start debating, why are we doing this? And then right. and then we went over, I went over to Arsenio. He was struggling with his showrunner, who was white, and that show eventually got canceled after one season. And then I went over to um, went over to Sister Sister. That showrunner was white, but then that's when I met the incredible Felicia Henderson, and really, and she had a lot of influence on those storylines because she had a lot of influence on the showrunner. And then finally, yeah. I wrapped up my sitcom career with uh, the amazing uh, Sarah Finney, Sarah Finney Johnson on The Parkers. And she was a black showrunner who also created Moesha. And so each each layer tells a different story because there was different battles that you fight in a room. And if you have a mixed room that really doesn't understand the culture of what they're supposed to be writing about, it creates a sense of, why are we doing this? And debating where I like to believe that a room doing a black sitcom and the writers are black, delivers a lot, a real honest script for you guys and also allow you to question stuff without any kickback. Exactly. And I think that's when I talk to Anthony about this, um, I think in that writer's room, the reason why we get such gold that comes out of that room is because there's no egos involved. Mm-hmm. Anyone can pitch any joke at any time. And if it's funny, it's funny. If it's not, then it's not. And if it's not funny and Anthony you know, or Meg pitched it, it's just not funny. But if it's funny and a staff writer or a PA pitched it, it's funny and put it in. And I think when you do that and you take the ego out of it and you just want the best product possible at the end of the day, you're going to end up with a show that is a banger that every episode just makes you laugh, makes you cry, makes you jump, makes you dance. And and when you have that, it's something special. And I think that's what we have. You do have something special. I, I, I'm telling you something, Anthony, I haven't thought about writing on the sitcom. Wow. 20 years, 20 years at least. Uh, seriously. And, um, and, I miss it. After watching this show, this series, Family Reunion, I miss it. And it was like, wow. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good I, I'm, I'm very serious. I, I, I'm like, wow, man. You know, because I, 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 I watch a lot of television. I watch a lot of sitcoms. And, and you know, like I said, I was in that little banner run where, you know, all our sitcoms were buried on WB and CW and UPN and all those things. And they were just using our shows to launch networks and things like that. And and just to see this show, man, and 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 if nobody has not seen the show, please make it a part of your watch because of the fact that it, it just brought back fun memories about what the show is about. And the show is about, you know, you, you African-American man was a successful football player and then had to, from Seattle, had to move your family back down to the South, the great city of Atlanta and the great state of Georgia. And, you, and you're living with your mom and your dad, played by my man, the Shaft, the original Shaft. It's going to be real. So cool. Richard so Roundtree. Cool. And I'm, I'm going to ask you about that in a minute. And then, then, then you know, of course, we already talked about her, you know, Loretta Devine, the amazing right. Loretta Devine and, you know, Tia Maury. And, and it's, it, it's, you know, the, the thing about it is that when you're working around, Anthony, when you're working around such legendary actors and actresses like a Loretta and a like a Richard, how does that help you? Well, I think you you study how they work. You study, you know, just the work ethic and, and even just what they bring to rehearsals, what they bring to run-throughs, and then what they bring to shoot days. Uh, you know, Loretta really did the best thing she could for me, which is, I think, our first ever network Mm run-through. And I've done tons of run-throughs. It's not the issue, but I've never done a a run-through as a lead. 
And so I was a little nervous, you know, more than the normal uh, this time. And, and I had this big sequence. I can't even remember the episode or what it was, but I, I know I had a big kind of like comedic sequence that I was hoping would be funny because I was going to improv some stuff, but who knew? And I did it and the network cracked up and they were laughing to the point where we had to stop run through for a second because they were cracking up and then kind of resumed. But I remember I went to the back of the kitchen uh, afterward to exit and Loretta was sitting there because that's where she was going to enter from. And she looked up at me and she was just like this. You, you just make it look so easy. And she was like, you did. I love it. I love it. And it, it made me feel very confident that someone of that stature recognized me and was like, good job. And from then on, it's just been it's been a fun dance and, and play every day with with her and with Richard. Well, you know, they, uh, you know, you know, I love the series, right? The yeah. only, the only thing that I was skeptical of this whole series was you yeah. trying to fix a Mercedes Benz truck. <laughs> I said the exact same thing. <laughs> that is like that is the most impossible thing. It is. <laughs> Pull me an old F one fifty. Pull me a Chevy or something. But for you to be under the hood of a Mercedes truck holding some piece that I don't think belong inside that it's, engine area, which, it's like which, trying to fix an iPhone with my tool belt. <laughs> it's, 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 it's ridiculous. It really is. But uh, uh, you know, and at first it was supposed to be. I think it was supposed to be something else. But uh-huh. you know, Meg being Meg, she's like, "No, let's get the Mercedes truck in here." I was like, "All right, I'm down." Oh boy, I'm that, see, that's, no. that's a writer's moment. You know what I'm saying? That's a writer's moment right there. But it didn't hurt. Right. The, it didn't hurt the show at all. I'm just, uh, this is me and you talking, having fun in this interview yeah. about uh, you up there trying to fix a Mercedes Benz and talk about the, <laughs> the, 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 the I'm not going to get into the, the episodes. Very, you should watch uh, watch all episodes. Like I said, I'm talking about the third season right now, but you need to go back to season one to really see the arc of the series. Watch these kids, <laughs> these amazingly talented kids uh, grow as as young actors, young people. Uh, talk about the 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 the, the the kids who play your children on the show. You know, they're amazing. I, I think um, I was the last one kind of cast on this show because they were kind of looking for that role. They were looking for that actor for the longest. And um, when I came on, uh, the kids had already kind of been there a week. They went through like an acting camp mm-hmm. uh, and it showed. And Eric Dean Seaton, I mean, he's just he's such a professional. Um, and it was such a gift for them because I think when as soon as we started kind of getting into filming, those kids were professional. They knew everything uh, about what they needed to do. They knew where their cameras were. They knew about lighting. They knew where to stand. They knew how to pause for laughs. They knew all the technical kind of stuff that comes along with a sitcom. I mean, you know this. Sitcoms are a little more uh, technical. There's a lot more to them. As an actor, it's a little heavier on you because you have to worry about blocking someone's light and, you know, where you're blocking and where you're standing and, you know, making sure you're on turn to the right camera and (laughs) and different things. And those kids just picked it up and they just got it and, and they've gotten it ever since. And they, and they're funny and they're just, they improv their little stuff. They're so talented. They all sing and dance and, and, and Except for you, I noticed you're not singing there, uh, sir. Uh, that's one talent you don't possess is the singing skills. No, but uh, here's the thing: I'll, I'll give myself a little credit. Is I can hold a tune. I'm not going to make an album, but you know, I mean, I can. I'll be your. I'll be your background. Just... <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, you know the the beauty of it is that um, you have a you have a wonderful career that you resume. You're working on a, air, a show that's successful, and I like to believe they will bring it back for another season. We never know how the gods play out there, but it's definitely uh, has great value. Uh, like I said, when I'm watching the third season, I'm going, 
I'm trying to. I, here's the thing, Anthony. I'm trying to fit this writing in my schedule. I'm going. How can, yeah. <laughs> how can I get <laughs> back there? You know, how can, I, how can I write? Well, I could do a spec script. Maybe I can send Meg right. a spec script, and then she go. Well, Sean McDonald want to write again? I can, no way. But but uh, just, just, just I'll tell you a, what. You come on to our show, man. You're gonna have a good time. That's the thing uh, we do. I know. I, I, I know. Time. I know. I am. And uh, it tapes in Atlanta, correct? No, 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 no. We're, we're right here. Paramount Studios. Paramount Studios. Okay, cool. Just yeah. the setting. And, and we're, the family is based, uh, Madeir's house is in Columbus, Georgia. But we go we go to Atlanta a bunch, but it's in Columbus, Georgia. It's a small town in Georgia. I, you know, I know where Columbus, right? Just just go east like you're going to Birmingham. That's right. West go. like you're going to Birmingham. <laughs> you go. I know exactly where Columbus, Georgia is at. But I, I cannot, I would not close this interview. I'm from Houston, Texas. You're mm. from San Antonio, Texas. Yes. I love Tex-Mex, you know, I will eat that for breakfast. I would eat it for lunch. I, you, I, I, I just can't get enough of it. I just had to close and find out where was your heart when it comes to Tex-Mex. Where's your heart? I, I, it was, it was so obsessed with Tex-Mex that I had to leave Texas to <laughs> save my heart because if not, it would be clogged and I'd be, <laughs> I'd be on, I'd be on medication right now. I just, I eat, I eat, I eat flour, cheese, Thank beans. You. Right, all day. Thank all you. day long. Well, my brother, you look fantastic, and I'm glad you lost that uh, offensive line work weight. No. Nope. The <laughs> wide receiver that you want to play in this sitcom today. <laughs> you, you look fantastic, Anthony, and I'm Thanks. glad I got Thank to interview you so on much. my show, man. And uh, just also just to spread the greatness of this sitcom, man, that you guys are doing a great job, sending a great message, and brought back so many great memories, man, about what I did. And I, I, I always feel blessed about because a lot of people see a lot of my sitcoms now that I wrote on and produced on. Netflix now, you know, mm-hmm. and it gets to people, oh, you wrote that sitcom? Yeah, that was me. That was me. That was me. So <laughs> so I'm kind of like getting some Netflix love, Anthony. But again, brother, thank you for coming on Money Making Conversations. Oh, thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. Absolutely. If you want to hear or see more interviews of Money Making Conversations, please go to moneymakingconversation.com or our YouTube channel. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I am your host. 